Titillating Talks. And we're busting fitness myths. Hi, I'm Laura. I'm Hallie. And this is Titillating Talks. We're best friends and we're busting fitness myths. And sharing honestly. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Ooh, sounds sexy. <laughs> Technology. Wee. Yay. Yes, exactly. So it's been four days since we last recorded, right? Yeah. Okay. So I got an electric fly zapper. Um, wildly satisfying. Nice. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know where these last few stragglers are coming from, but I will go to the grave trying to make sure they don't fornicate ever again. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going on over here uh, so everybody's updated i also got some like crazy enzymes did i tell you i was buying like some enzymes that like eat gook that's like inside of your faucet i don't think you told me that so that's okay, interesting yeah, so yeah. That's the other thing i mean what do i know i rent so i've never even thought about it like i've gotten clogs before but then you just like get the plumber and they have the snake or you like you know get drano or whatever Apparently you're supposed to like clean out your drains frequently. Who knew? Uh, and they have this <laughs> enzyme stuff, I guess that like you put it down there and it like basically eats away at anything. So if there were anything coming from the drains, which was what I had kind of assumed, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense for them to be coming from anywhere yeah. else. Um, then they are no longer there. So Good. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you don't have to deal with that for like the next. Ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever but, again. But now I have this electric fly zapper and I'm like, can't wait for the lantern flies to come back, you know, and you just go outside killing lantern. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's, that's what's going on over here. Just, cool. Uh... Well, I'm glad you're on your way to being pest free. That's very exciting. You know, I know. I mean, it's like such a weird thing, right? It's such a like first world problem where we're like, oh, nature gross. Right. <laughs> get, get rid of nature. Get out of, my, out of my space. But yeah. yeah. Like we want everything sterile and like, you know, nothing from the outside world on the inside. But I'm like, I don't know. Is there something wrong with that? I don't know. But in the meanwhile, I will kill any bug that comes in my house. Thanks. I mean, yeah. So cultures around the world, people around the world eat bugs. Have you ever eaten bugs? I tried a cricket protein bar once. I think maybe I might have tried like a cricket candy bar situation, but you know, minimal amounts and like wasn't happy about yeah. it. <laughs> It didn't taste that weird, but I was just like knowing I'm eating bugs is a little off-putting, you know? I know. I'd rather just swallow them in my sleep when I don't know, see? <laughs> <laughs> if you're swallowing crickets in your sleep, I think you would know they're pretty big. But yes, I mean... <laughs> don't they say you like swallow spiders and all sorts of stuff when you sleep? I think, I don't know if that's actually fact or if that's a myth, because I feel like I read about it one time because I was having the same conversation, I think, with my sister at some point, and we looked it up. And I think I remember that it's a myth because spiders are more afraid of us and our body heat than we think. Mm -hmm. And so it's very unlikely that a spider would, while you're sleeping, get really close to you and crawl into your mouth. 
So hopefully that's the case. <laughs> I, I'm actively using Google to see if that's okay. Yeah, happens. let's do it. Um, it says, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. Cause it's like eight spiders yearly remember right yeah that's the number like growing up that would be the thing where you'd be like well i swallow eight spiders in my sleep every year so it's okay they, they if they're around that, yeah they say it's like plausible but strictly a random event and so we're safe guys we're safe <laughs> yeah <laughs> good to know good to know that's very reassuring actually <laughs> i really i really do appreciate that that is a myth we have busted that myth on titillating talk. So thank you very much. That's what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So the holidays, man, they're coming. They're coming. They're right. They're right up like a few days away. We're recording this on a Monday and Thanksgiving is this Thursday. But when you're listening to this, we will be post Thanksgiving but there's plenty of more holidays coming up after Thanksgiving too. So yeah, we're continuing our theme of holiday myths, I guess you want to call it. Yeah. Like, you know, there's so many uh, misconceptions about trying to work out during the holidays and kind of having this more defeatist mindset about like, you know, well, I'll just let my health routine kind of blow away <laughs> and not do anything because it's that all or nothing approach, right? Like if I get thrown off a little bit, I might as well just do nothing, you know? And I feel like a lot of people have that mindset around the holidays and they kind of just give up and wait until the new year to commit again. And so we're going to talk a little bit about like what actually happens when you stop working out for a few weeks and why it's important to maintain a routine because there are certain things that you're going to want to encourage your body to maintain and to keep your muscle growth and things like that or at least have a sense of your strength maintain your endurance to be maintained while we're going through the holidays but yeah, I mean, what are your first thoughts, Laura, on this idea that like you're going to basically lose all your gains if you stop working out? Well, that's not true. So that's right on that. <laughs> uh, but also I have two, I have one anecdotal thought, which is I'm currently in this because I traveled in the beginning or like the middle of October and then we came back for a couple of weeks and then I traveled again and now we're back, but now it's like Thanksgiving and then we're back to some sort of normal schedule for a few weeks, but then it's like the Christmas break and we have to like get my um, stepdaughter and like get her down here. And like, it's a lot of just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until, gosh, until like mid January. Cause then my husband's taking a trip. And so then I'm like only like solo parenting for a week. So mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, what feels like a good three months of just like not having a consistent schedule enough to say like, here are when my workouts are going to happen. I kind of have to just like put them in when they fit in, depending on what the schedule looks like. And so like, this is maintenance phase, basically, yeah. right? And I have to just like do what I have to do to make sure that I'm moving so that I 
move. <laughs> like right. literally it's just, just for the sake of moving, we're not doing anything else. Uh, the second thought I had was when I was like thinking about like, well, what do I usually talk about with my clients? And a lot of it is like panning back and having a bigger perspective of your calendar year, right? Like that this is only like a small section of time for most of us where it's not like the three months I'm going through, but typically it's like six weeks of like kind of a little bit of chaos, but the rest of the year yeah. they're doing fine. But I find that as adults, we still tend to trend on like the school calendar a little. It really is like January until June. And then a lot of people travel in the summer or whatever summer, summer takes over. And so there's actually another period right during the year where I feel like all of this stuff is really relevant and be harder during the summer months for a lot of different reasons to keep a routine. So it's just good information. I think that can be relevant to any time of the year when people might be dealing with things um, that are going to affect their schedule and also maybe like dealing with things that might affect their bodies because you might get birth, you might get sick, you might have an injury and a lot of the, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of the research and a lot of the data that I was looking at were really based on people that were injured mm -hmm. um, or had some sort of like pathological thing where like they didn't work out for up to 52 weeks, um, which, you know, happens. People, yeah. things happen, right? So it's just important to like know that this is important for now, but it's also important for any time that you can't work out regularly, you know? Yeah, because things will always come up, you know, like the holidays is one thing, but then like you said, birth, illness, just feeling like you don't have time because work is crazy or something like that. You know, there's always going to be a scenario where you're going to feel like something in your life is taking time away from your movement routine or your health habits. So it's about, you know, being able to adapt to the situation, being able to stay as consistent as possible, despite all of these other things that are happening in your life. It's one of those things that your life is never going to be perfect. Like, you know, even if you had all the time in the world, there are certain things that could come up. And even just like, you know, Lack of motivation can be a big thing in the winter. Seasonal affective disorder can have a big part in, you know, why it feels difficult to stick to a routine during the holidays in the winter months. And having a consistent practice and planning as best you can for the varied schedules that are going to change over the next few weeks will help to make you feel like you have some sort of grounding and everything's just not up in the air and chaotic and, you know, like you lose it all, so. And I think having an idea, so understanding the science and understanding what's more important to you, I think is also important, not to sound, but, you know, in, in terms of setting your priorities, right? So if you're talking about cardiovascular health, a lot of the studies that I was reading and that have been reported, show that there's like a de decrease in your VO2 max um, when you don't work out for a couple of weeks, right? You know, the exact rate will vary depending on the person and how athletic you are and like what what's your skill set and what you're training for. Like, are you an athlete versus like a general population person, right? But the studies suggest that after about two weeks, you'll see some changes. 
Uh, for some people, that was like a decrease of like 5% of their VO2 max. For some people, that was like up to like 20%, depending on how long it was before they got back into their regular, you know, uh, aerobic training. Um, for the people out there listening, if you don't know what your VO2 max is, basically measures your capacity to take in transport and then use your oxygen during exercise. And so your VO2 max and the heart's ability to pump blood effectively or, or efficiently will start to decline again. This is really nuanced. If you're a marathon runner, it's going to be really different than if you're like Jane, who's like right. just going to the gym a few times a week and doing a cycling class one day and then doing the treadmill the other day, yeah. right? Like, because basically, like your consistency over the past few months, the past few years will play a big role in your body's ability to maintain your health. So that can have a big difference too. Like if, if you've been consistent over the past, you know, few years, and then you're going to take two weeks off, there's not going to be a, a significant decrease in your cardiovascular, you know, endurance and things like that. And even in your muscle, because you have all that training history under your belt and, you know, it's going to be less of an impact compared to someone if they're not as consistent and, um, and well-versed in different, uh, styles of training too. So you'll actually have a higher decrease in aerobic capacity period. So regardless of if it's, if once you hit two weeks, it starts to decrease by a few percentages, mm, Okay, but strength training is different. So strength training, if you deload or you detrain, it won't have as significant of a change over the course of a couple of weeks, but the normal person might notice that it starts to feel harder. You might feel less coordinated because of the lack of repetition in your muscle memory and in your action of actually doing the thing. Um, athletes are going to feel a little bit more specific, sport-specific changes. They might feel like their force or their speed has changed, um, but for, for your normal person who's going through something where they're just deloading again or they're de these uh are going through cessation where they're just not working out it'll take longer for you to feel like your muscle mass has decreased versus your aerobic training where you're going to see a bigger decline faster um right that's why i'm saying like you know then you ask the person who's going to be going into a heavily loaded schedule over the next six weeks can say okay i know i have a limited amount of time what matters more to me right now? Like if, if I'm a marathon runner and I know that I want to do, you know, the big marathons next year, maybe I'm not going to focus so much on my strength training for the six weeks. Maybe I'm going to keep doing a little bit of, you know, some sort of sprinting or whatever it is that I'm into yeah. to help me to do what I need to do, because maybe I don't want to lose that capacity versus somebody who maybe doesn't do that much aerobics, but does a lot more strength training and is really limited on their time. They might do something like, you know, body weight work, or they might take a yoga class or they might do something other than what they're typically doing because it isn't going, going to matter as much in terms of their turnaround and going back into the gym in six weeks and being able to perform the same way so that they can build back up to that. And like, just touching on um, the difference between like muscle memory, neuromuscular adaptations, and muscle mass. So like 
if you're really concerned over, you know, losing your muscle mass, try to maintain somewhat of a strength routine during the few weeks of the holidays where you feel like it's going to be thrown off, you know, focus on doing sets and reps that are going to encourage hypertrophy versus doing more of endurance sets. But if you're more worried about, well, I'm, I want to focus on like maintaining my muscle memory, making sure I can move well, my maintenance of my connective tissue, then maybe you don't have to focus necessarily on strength training, but just moving your body in like a mindful way for 30, 40 minutes every day will help to maintain the, basically your neuromuscular system and the efficiency of the fibers connecting to like the signals that are coming from your brain and things like that, that actually has, um, you know, more of retention for extended periods of time than people think. So like um, the inactivity that you might have during the holidays might not have a big impact on your neuromuscular adaptation. So it might feel easier to get back to your routine and get back to movements that you were doing before the holidays because those neuromuscular connections are actually still connected and still maintained. So that's something that you can like feel good about in general that like if you're only taking, you know, two weeks off, yes, you might lose a little strength and you might lose a little bit of muscle mass, but if you're moving your body and just, you know, keeping somewhat of your routine, you'll probably not really feel a deficit in your ability to move. And most people hopefully are taking a deloading phase, particularly if they're lifting heavier, because that is going to prime you for being able to progress through your training routine, because you're going to, without deloading and without taking the stressors off your body, you do put yourself at risk for plateauing, but worse than that, overtraining and possibly burning out your your system, right? Your CNS system, your ANS system yeah. sometimes can be too much. So, you know, hopefully people are taking time, you know, every six to 12 weeks, depending on what your program looks like and how you're eating and, you know, what kind of stress you're dealing with outside of the gym, just so that they can make sure that they're able to keep up with a certain routine and progress forward and continue doing the things that they really love to do. Yeah, so planning your program so that those deload phases, the lighter weights, you know, less intense movements are planned for this time when you have, you know, holiday events and a busier social schedule and things like that. And, you know, focusing on your recovery is really important, like, you know, especially with all these like holiday parties and things like that, and maybe eating a little bit more or you're drinking alcohol and things that have like a, you know, a stress on your neurological system. So make sure you're getting enough sleep, make sure you're hydrating really well, you know, doing all of those things to promote your recovery and your health to make sure that not only are, are you not maybe working out as much, but you're giving yourself the recovery that you need because the holidays can be stressful too, just for, you know, themselves. <laughs> I um, read an interesting study that was from the University of Copenhagen 
and it was talking about um, being injured for six weeks and not working out for the six weeks and then what happened to the body after they put them back into a program for six weeks. So it's a, it's a mm -hmm. combination of six weeks of cessation and then six weeks of activity. And they basically, I mean, it's, it's going to be what you assume it was, right? Six weeks of not doing anything. They lost muscle mass. They lost a little coordination. So then they put them back in the gym for six weeks, going through a program to try to strengthen their leg, right? Whatever, whatever the injury was. And basically they were able to gain muscle mass back and gain strength back, but they weren't back at the level that they were at the six weeks before. So I think that, you know, take all these reports and studies with a grain of salt, but understand, right, that they're looking at people that are completely not active for a period of time and then try and put them back into the floor. And, and then they notice, okay, well, this person was able to get stronger, but not as strong as they were before. Literally, if you are just able to keep up with like one day of doing something every week, right? Whatever it is that's most important to you. That could look like so much stuff, right? That could be things that are really concentrated in strength training and in hypertrophy, like you were saying. It could be something that's just trying to get you moving. It could be something that's non-exercise related, like literally just being like, here's the hour that I have and I'm gonna just like do something for this hour. I think that people would be surprised about how good they feel at the end of the hour, first of all. And second of all, how easy it might be to get back into their routine come January. I don't think that they're gonna feel like this person that was like down and out and injured for six weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just me assuming and theorizing, right? In fact, it is, but <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I, I've never worked with anybody, including my own body, who's turned around after six weeks of at least doing that one workout every week that was like, that was terrible. I shouldn't have done that. Right. Well, typically they turn around and they're like, thank goodness we had those sessions, right? Thank goodness we did that during the holidays, even though I was traveling and did not have any of the equipment that I usually have. They're like, that felt great. This felt great. I felt great after our session, right? Yeah, every conversation that I've had with clients this week, like leading up to the holidays, you know, we've been talking about scheduling, making sure that we can work around the holidays and the parties and things like that together. You know, if they can't meet and they decide that they just want to dedicate more of their time to family or they just don't have the space for it because they're traveling or something, you know, I provide them I have like follow along mobility routines and the training app that they do and things like that. So it's like, do what you can, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but just getting a little bit of movement here and there, some mindful movement, breath work, mobility work, just to maintain your range of motion will even just be so much better than doing nothing. And especially like if you can limit that lack of your routine to less than three weeks, you'll definitely be able to regain that strength that you lost within those three weeks. But beyond three weeks, if you continue to remain inactive, it really declines the neuromuscular adaptations, the muscle memory, the strength. It's basically, like you said, like week by week, you get more of a percentage of basically rapid loss of all of those things. Mm -hmm. So making sure that, like you said, you're 
basically doing like the bare minimum to keep your body as you want it. Like if, like you said, if you're focusing on that muscle gain or trying to maintain the muscle that you have, like what's the bare minimum that you can do and see if you can really commit to that over the next like five or six weeks that we have these holidays and things coming up. Right. And another study I read um, looked at people that were inactive up to 12 weeks, up to 26 weeks, up to um, like 31 or 32 weeks, and then up to 52 weeks. And the numbers, of course, did exactly what everybody is going to assume I'm going to say, right? Everybody yeah. lost, everybody lost muscle mass, everybody gained body fat. But the numbers were also different depending on age group. So the older the body, the more muscle mass they lost in that year or in mm. that half a year versus the younger, more primer bodies, right? Um, which I thought that was interesting. But on the other side of that, people who are more fit will lose muscle faster than people who are unfit. Mm. Interesting. Because they, they have more to lose. Uh, I see. Right. Okay. Cause somebody who's unfit, you don't, what are they losing? They, they you know, they, they right. have a minimum, they have whatever, whatever's there to like hold them up and push them around. Basically, right. Like they're, they're to sustain. Like, yeah. To sustain life. Right. Versus, you know, somebody who's been really active and again, you know, gets an injury or takes time off or is really busy or whatever this scenario is that keeps them from being in their normal routine they have more physically they just have more to lose and so they're gonna see that their muscle mass actually diminishes at a faster rate right so that's mm -hmm. why like athletes it's important for them to keep moving even during the off season yeah. Yeah. and I think I've talked about Shaq before because like that's like the ongoing joke with him right is that at some point you know he obviously got cocky and he just like stopped doing mm. basic training during the summer and he would come back in the fall you know and be like you know he's a big dude he's like 273 and like you know just big he would just be big but he wasn't like necessarily muscular the way that he had been when he was younger and in college and like had to like had to do what he had to do before he got signed to the NBA right Right. So it's like interesting to see how that kind of can be pervasive at any level. It doesn't have to be just a normal person who is just going to the gym to like maintain their bodies, but even athletes, right? Like yeah. if, they, if they don't keep doing what they're supposed to do, you're going to have a consequence of that. And he started injuring himself after that. Well, and that's a good point to talk about too, is how age contributes to this because the older you are, the faster your body also decreases in uh, muscle mass, the rate of muscle loss and atrophy of your muscles and the like way that our body starts to decline in neuromuscular connections and all those things firing up to work things well and stuff like that, that happens at a faster rate if you're inactive and you're older, right? So making sure that we're maintaining these routines and staying uh, consistent as much as possible is even more important the older that we get because it's just so much easier for our bodies to be like nope we don't want to do all this work to keep this muscle mass it's really hard <laughs> like you know the older that we get so if you can definitely you know maintain as much of your routine as possible especially like if you're older the age of 
50, I want to say it gets really, really challenging, especially for women after we go through menopause. So, you know, hormones have a big effect on that as well. And that's something actually I wanted to talk about is like the chemical and hormone and endorphin like levels that change in our bodies with uh, lack of activity. So that's another thing to think about is like, if you rely on, you know, we all do rely on exercise for mood boosters and like feeling good and having serotonin and dopamine levels increase and lowering cortisol levels, the stress hormone. So all of that, you know, contributes to our health overall and how we feel. And just knowing that if you're inactive for, you know, three to four weeks or something during the holidays, and we have, you know, winter months with like darker skies, less, you know, vitamin D and everything, it's going to be a big impact on your mental health too, like being inactive and just feeling how all of that inactivity is shifting, not only our skeletal and muscular structures, but also our hormone and chemical balances in our body. So I think that's something that I'm going to focus on, especially this holiday season is like noticing how much mood boosting effects I can still get because I'm also up in Washington state and it's dark by 420 now, <laughs> like the sun is gone. We're so far North. There's not a lot of sunlight every day anymore. And it's definitely already having an effect where I'm like, hmm, by like 3, 4 p.m., I'm starting to feel that kind of like hibernation, want to like just cozy up on the couch and stuff, which is fine. There's time for that, of course, but I have to balance that out with my workouts and things like that to make sure that I'm not just sitting around all day because <laughs> it could be easy to do that when it feels so cozy and like cold outside and stuff. Well, I just think, think it's important for people to do what they can as long as they do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a follow up to this episode, which we'll talk more about, you know, breaking movement routines and not losing them completely. And so hopefully, whatever people feel like they may not have gained here, they can gain there. Because uh, I think that it's a good complement to what we're talking about here, which is, you know, how, how am I supposed to, how and why am I supposed to keep doing this, right? And so Today was more of the why, and next week will be, or the week after will be, you know, how. The how, yes, how? exactly. That's a great transition, Laura, because I could just keep <laughs> jabbering on, and <laughs> and we would end up with a really long episode, and I think it's better, yeah, we'll do this in two parts. <laughs> it's definitely a good idea. Let's do it. I was, like, looking at the clock. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, keeping me has, on on track i like it i like it she has another point let her get her point out <laughs> <laughs> and then we will move on well join us for our next episode as we continue to talk all about the holidays and movement routines and we're here to support you through the changes. Ch -ch 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 the change. Turn and face the strange. Pick up everything. Put them back down on the floor. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Um. Yeah. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Love ya. Love Bye. you too. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your support and we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to Titillating Talks. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Titillating Talks and feel free to reach out to us via email, ttpodcastgals at gmail.com with any questions or suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Titillating Talks is produced by us, Hallie and Laura. And our music is by Cruise Cruise. We hope you found this episode titillating.